While we're waiting, could somebody please look up 1 John chapter 4 verse 1? 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Do you want to... Um, have, yeah, we'll get you a mic. Lydia. Well, just shout it out then. Just shout. I'm going to be throwing various verses out at you during the course of the talk, and you can look them up, but that one's pretty key, really, uh, as we are thinking this morning about the gift of discernment. And there is lots of misinformation out there. Lots of uh, people have lots of different ideas about how discernment works. Let's... Uh, before we go any further, let's, let's just stop for a moment and pray. Just wait for Annie to come back in. You're here, it's alright. Father, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us. Lord, we thank you that you have also given us brains. You've given us scripture. Uh, you have opened our hearts and our minds, Lord, to hear you. Lord, it's not always easy to hear what you are saying in any situation. So many things distract us and turn us away from you. So, Lord, as we open your word this morning, we pray that the Spirit of God would help us to focus on what you want us to learn, where you want us to grow, and how you want us to move forward in the power of your Spirit. So touch our hearts and our minds this morning. Uh, and Lord, take the words that I'm going to be speaking. If they are from you, then Lord, help us to remember them. But if they're just from me, then Lord, help us to be discerning and to uh, move on past them. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I start by saying how excited I am at having the opportunity to speak on this this morning? Partly because as I have delved into scripture, as I have prayed and sought God, often in the middle of the night, uh, I have woken up thinking about this and trying to hear what God is saying to us through this. It has been a real journey for me. And I have felt uh, the presence of God as I have tried to discern how to speak about discernment. Yeah. Um, so this is really exciting for me to be out here this morning thinking, actually, this is, I mean, ho hopefully every sermon is a blessing, but this one, I feel that like I've been blessed by God as I have kind of dug into this subject and tried to work through it. In fact, uh, a good chunk of what I'm going to say this morning um, kind of came to me about three o'clock in the morning about two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> So as you wake up, I don't know, some of you, some of us, some of us do wake up most middle of the night quite often. Uh, and uh, this was one of those. And, and as I was sat there thinking, am I going to go back to sleep again? I started praying uh, and God just uh, came and blessed me. Um, there are a few quotes I want to offer to you about discernment. Again, various people have said various things. Um, there's an American poet who's actually said some quite good things about it, a chap called Chris Jammy. Have any of you come across a poet called Chris Jammy or Jamie? 
J-A-M-I, no, I'd never heard of him before, but as I started kind of Googling discernment, his name appeared quite a lot. Um, He said, when I look at a person, I see a person. Not rank, not class, not title, I see a person. And I, I felt that, yeah, I mean, we, we do. It's very easy when we look at people, when we try to work out what's going on in someone's life, we don't see the person. We actually see the outside of what's going on with them. Um, Corrie Tenboom, Yeah. For the, uh, some of you will know of Corrie Ten Boom. She's, she's just an awesome lady, or was an awesome lady. She was a Dutch lady during the Second World War. She was a watchmaker, and she rescued Jews from con- concentration camps, from going into concentration camps, and provided a safe place for them and a pathway for them to get to safe countries so that the Jews, uh, so that they would not be taken to the gas chambers. And she said... Discernment is God's call to intercession, but never to fault-finding. And I think that that particular insight is really key when we start thinking in a moment about how we practice discernment. Let me read it again. Discernment is God's call to intercession, and never to fault-finding. So often when we look at intercession, when we look at discernment, where it says the discernment of spirits, we think, actually, is that one an evil spirit and that a good spirit? Is that of God and is that of the devil? And we're trying to work out the bad stuff. And I'm not sure, at least, no, I am sure. I am sure that actually that, in and of itself, is actually just a very minor part of discernment. That actually trying to discern evil isn't really what God is calling us to do in discernment. And I will come back to that in a little while. Let me just talk a little bit more about what discernment is and what it is not. You see, I think that discernment is a process, not an event. Okay, It's a journey that we go on. And it's a journey in between. It is a journey between the question and the answer. When you are looking for an answer from God, the discernment is the process that you go to between saying, God, what do you want to do in this situation? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to behave? Where am I supposed to go? What's supposed to be happening here? And we ask a question of ourselves and of God and say, what's happening? And we pray that God will give us an answer. And the discernment process is the process between the question and the answer. Yeah? Are you you with me on that? Do you you accept? Are you you okay with that? It might not be you as an individual. It might be us as a church, community, as a family. It might be an organisation trying to work out what direction they are supposed to go in. I've spent a lot of time with a guy called Dan Jin, who has been praying really hard over the last six months about the direction his company is supposed to go in. He, his company originally, it's his own um, company that God has built. It's in, staffed entirely by Christians who are seeking to serve God. And they got to the point about a year ago of having a turnover of two or three million a year. 
doing really quite well. And this year, uh, between January and June, they had a turnover of 50,000. Yeah? And so God, he, he turned to God, the whole company turned to God and said, God, what are you doing? What's happening? What are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to cope with this? You know, we, we, this, is, this is outside our, our realm of experience. They'd gradually built up over 10 years to this point where they were doing this kind of £3 million turnover and to only have uh, um, being asked to do work that's worth £50,000, just, just kind of like... They, they'd basically eaten through all their reserves, waiting for the orders to come in, and nothing was happening. And he went back to the company and prayed with the company, and they were all Christians, as I said, and they prayed, and they sought God, and they, went, they fasted and gathered together and, and really sought God, and a number of people agreed voluntarily to take redundancy. And, and God sh shrunk the company down and, and gave them a whole new vision um, and they, they, they had a small order that came in. They, God said, well, you know, we're going to have to, they, they thought they were going to have to lay off three more people unless they got another order in. And they just got another order in, a small order, about another £50,000 that came in about a month later. And they were able to actually not lay off any more. And they went back to prayer again and it got to the deadline yet again. Um, and God said, God, where, what direction are you taking us in? And then suddenly, out of the blue, I had a text. Actually, I think I can read, read you this text from Dan one Sunday morning. Uh, if I can find my phone. Dan writes, I have a fresh testimony today too. I set aside this afternoon to work on a training course that I will be using with our team to help them in understanding how to transform nations. It's a multinational company that work across the world. As I spent time with the Lord in the barn where we pray each on, on, in the morning, he opened up Isaiah 55 to me and showed me that through our work we will carry his word to the nations and he will use us to transform them. Just as I was pondering this amazing thing, a major client called me and asked if we could help her with some research that they would then present to Public Health England as evidence that will help them to collaborate more effectively on a public health matter. We agreed over the phone on the scope and the fee for the work there and then, something that has never happened before. Yeah? Um, and he had been through a journey of discernment. So it is the process of actually either an event or an organization seeking God for an answer and waiting and expecting God to give you an answer. It is key to our journey as we think about how um, the discernment process happens that it isn't a standalone process. Uh, could you bring up the picture that I've got there? These, as I'm sure you recognize, are the Olympic rings. But they're not the right number because there's probably nine or more gifts, but it just gives you the idea of the overlapping circles. Yeah? What? With the overlapping child. All right? And that each of the gifts are actually interlinked with each other. 
You can't exercise a gift of knowledge without actually discerning or without having faith to actually receive from God that gift of knowledge in the first place. You can't perform a miracle without actually having discernment to know what process that miracle is actually going to be and you know how it's supposed to work. You're not going to have a gift of prophecy and actually use the gift of prophecy without having the other gifts tied in with it. You can't speak in tongues unless you've got faith or discernment to know that actually what you're saying to God is actually going to have some effect in the heavenly realms. Yeah? Each of the gifts actually link together. And you need to hold that in the back of your mind that actually discernment isn't something, it just happened, right? I've had a discernment now, and now I'm going to move on. It, it, it's a process that is interwoven with the other gifts. That's the first thing. I could spend a bit more time talking about actually what discernment is, but I want to actually focus this morning on three areas that I think we need to be practiced at in order to uh, discern effectively. Because discernment comes, I believe, and I'm going to say this carefully because I don't want people to feel put off by it, but it is a mature process. Okay, that it, and you will understand why when I say that when I actually come back to the, the actual discernment thing itself. It is a mature process that you need to have all sorts of things in place as Christians before discernment comes more easily. I don't say that young Christians can't discern because they can, but I'm suggesting that you might find it more difficult the discernment process. And actually, nobody grows without making mistakes. And I would suggest that actually, not to, to keep trying and working on discerning the will of God all the time through your life, but be prepared to get it wrong. And even as someone who's been on their Christian journey for many decades now, I still listen to God and I still get it wrong. Okay, so, but... <laughs> Well, a lot of the time, really. And I think any of us who are mature Christians would probably say the same. So it is not an exact science. You're not going to say, I've got the gift of discernment this morning, and bing. It don't work like that. All right? So first of all, let me get to the point. The point is, is if you are going to be exercising the gift of discernment, the key thing that you need is a positive, strong, confident relationship with Jesus. Okay? It, it, it don't happen if you are not in relationship with Jesus. Because actually understanding what God is saying can only come through the work of Jesus. And discernment is primarily about hearing what God is saying into a situation. As you ask your question, as you go on the journey from question to answer, if God is not involved in that process, it isn't going to happen. And you do not have the ability, if you like, to be in the presence of God except through the work of Jesus. And Jesus' death on the cross, his salvation, his rescue from sin... His transformation of our lives into lives that were dead to sin and are alive in Christ, if that hasn't happened for you, discerning is going to be pretty difficult. Because it's all about listening to God. God gave us two ears, one mouth, and I know that when we pray, at least when I pray, 
I tend to use my mouth more than my ears. Yeah, is that, is that kind of a fair thing, really? And actually, for those of you who are in a loving relationship at the moment, if your partner says to you, you never listen. Have they ever said that to you? Mm, just once or twice. Yeah? All right? If you are in a relationship with God, I think God says, not in the whiny voice, but I need you to listen. Yeah? We need to listen to God because the discernment process comes primarily from listening to God. And we don't do that very effectively when we're using our mouths. Yeah, yeah. God doesn't just speak through audio. He, just be patient. You're, you're, you, God, God very rarely uses audio. Listening is in itself a metaphor for actually being open to what God is saying. God can speak to you, Craig, through me. God can speak to you through Debbie. God can speak to you through Lucas. God can speak to you through anybody that you have a connection with. God will speak to you when you are in a prayer time with a group of people or when you're in a prayer time on your own. God can speak to you through scripture. God can speak to you through the stranger in Morrison's. Yeah? God can speak to you through a donkey. He's done it in scripture. Yeah? Okay? You don't, it's not necessarily you hearing, this is me, Craig. Do you not remember, do you not remember that, the car, the car with the, on the back of a trailer and plastered across the, 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 the windscreen of the car, there was a name. Yeah, and you were arguing about how God never speaks to you. And then suddenly, this car comes along with Craig written in big letters on the front of the car. <laughs> okay? Alright, alright God. Yeah, okay? <laughs> it may not be spoken word. But when we, we need, if we are going to be, to discern what God is saying, to be listening to God. And that happens through our prayer life. It happens through God moments. It happens through words of knowledge, uh, pictures. It happens through events that engage with our lives. And we need to be open to them, to hearing what God is saying through the moment. That's perfectly okay. When God speaks, God speaks. <laughs> it's alright. If you were standing up, that might have been more dangerous. <laughs> so, first point. It has to be Christ-centered. Craig, I'm going to come back to you again. I told you once, Billy Graham said something really important. I know he's a legend. <laughs> when he came to Mission England, he asked the churches to do three things. What did he ask the churches to do? The first one? Pray. And what was the second one? Pray. And what was the third one? <laughs> okay. 
Okay, the second point I want to make is a little bit more subtle. Okay, if, as if that one wasn't. Okay. If you are in the process of discernment, I believe that you need to be aware of yourself. You need self-knowledge. Okay. The reason I say that is that we are people who are driven by a variety of urges. Are we not? Those urges might be sex, power, hunger, anger, fear, worry. God speaks to us. But if we are somebody who is focused on something else in our lives, so we are concerned about where our next meal is coming from, it's going to be really difficult to discern what God is saying when we, in ourselves, are focused on something else. Are you okay? Are you okay, Judith? God's doing something? Okay. No, no, that's okay. Have you heard of a, a, a Bible teacher in the States called Joyce Mayer? Yeah? yeah. yeah. yeah? <laughs> Seriously? She's good, okay. She says it how it is. Okay, she says, she says, some people think they have discernment when in fact all they are is suspicious. Yeah? And suspicion comes out of an unrenewed mind, but discernment comes from a renewed spirit. Okay? I, I, it's been my experience, sometimes when I'm kind of, just because, I will go into a shop and I will just have a sense that this is not a very nice shop to be in. Yeah? And I think, actually, I don't really want to be here. And I, if I'm listening to the Spirit, I'll turn around and walk out again. Or maybe the Spirit will say, actually, I want you to pray in here. In which case, I stay and pray and pray that God actually comes and does something. And, and you have... But the question I ask myself in that situation, is this just me making something up? Am I just imagining this? Is this a spiritual thing that's going on? Or am I just hungry? Or am I just, I just want to find a book to read, you know, or I, I want to, I need something, you know, I, I've got something going on in me. The question is, is, is it me who's actually feeling a bit wobbly? Or is it actually the Spirit of God prompting me that there is something weird happening? Yeah, and I need to pray into that or get out of there because actually what's happening is not of God. And if we don't know ourselves what we are like, I know. Did you ever get, what's the, the phrase, hangry? Or, yeah? Have you, come, have you heard of that one? Yeah? Is there some people around here who get hangry? What? If you don't eat, you get, ang you get grumpy. Yeah? Uh, people who've got type 1 diabetes, that's a kind of big issue. Alright? Because uh, you get grumpy when you haven't eaten. And, and, and I know that all, every, both Sandra and I are both that, and we've passed it on to our kids. <laughs> yeah, but if we don't eat regularly or properly, or we, we have, you know, not enough blood sugar, then we get grumpy when we don't eat. And 
if we're trying to actually discover what God is doing, then I need to take that into account when I'm thinking about actually what God is saying to me. Yeah? That if we, if we rely just on our feelings and what's going on emotionally in our lives, we will get distracted from what God is doing. God has given us a brain, he's given us bodies that do get caught up in life. And the discernment process is easily disrailed by what stuff is going on in our lives. And so when you discern the will of God, you need to somehow learn the, the journey of being objective. You step back from yourself. What's actually going on here? Let me be very crude. Forgive me. Is it the time of the month? Yeah? Am I hungry? Have I just had a fight with my wife? Is, am I got my parents coming round for Christmas? <laughs> yeah? Okay? You know, well, it could be any of those things, or more, or you know what's happening in your life, and when you're trying to discern the will of God, step back and say, actually, am I listening to God with my spirit and not with my mind or my body. Interesting. There's a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. Did you know Tolkien was a Christian? Yeah, yeah. And he was part of a group called the Inklings who uh, met to... Uh, right, there was C.S. Lewis... Uh, a chap called George MacDonald, who I have huge admiration for, and J.R. Tolkien used to meet in a pub and talk about how they could tell the Christian story um, in ways that would be understood by people without bashing them over the head with a Bible. And out of that came the stories of Narnia and Lord of the Rings, all of which actually tell the story of the kingdom of God in ways that now millions upon millions of people have read and may be taken in without even realizing that they were hearing the gospel. And he wrote in, um, in The Lord of the Rings, how shall a man judge what to do in such times as he has ever judged, said Aragorn. Good and ill have not changed since yesteryear, but it is man's part to discern them, much as much as the golden wood is in his own house. The golden wood bit might be a bit distracting if you haven't actually read the stories. But the point is, is that good and evil are here, whatever. Yeah? We are constantly fighting against evil. We are constantly seeking to do good, to be in with God. And they have not changed in that there is still good and evil going on in the world. And how do you discern in times like that? You discern what to do, whether you're in heaven or on earth. You have to step back from it and actually look at it without process of human stuff that distracts us. Okay, third point. 
This point has been made as people have spoken about the other gifts, both uh, in terms of gifts of knowledge and wisdom as they've spoken about this. But if in your discerning process, what you discover is not supported by scripture, then it is not of God. That's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Sure, go for it. Spit it out, Craig. When, when, when the Bible was being written, yeah. Yeah. Who did they? Who did they speak to? Like people that are right, right, right. Like you say, okay, we need to. We've got something going on in our mind, and we want to find it from God. Who was in the book? And when they were writing the book, who were they listening to? Well. Who knows? Uh, Moses may have spoken to Aaron. I'm sure that there were other people who were godly people most of the time. I, I mean, Noah may have had a problem because he was pretty much on his own. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, to be honest, I'm not quite sure. But what I would say to you is that the Bible hasn't been finished. Even though scripture, as we know it, has finished in terms of the Bible and, and what's written in the Bible. But God hasn't finished with us. Okay, so as we look at scripture, I don't know who any one individual would have spoken to at the time of writing. Um, I know, say, in the story of Ruth, she spoke to her daughters-in-law. And together they discerned what to do and how to go about what the next step on their journey was, in which case it was to go back to Israel, because they'd been gone to Moab to be with her daughters-in-law's family, but... That didn't work out, so they ended up coming back to Israel. And the discerning process was that they talked to each other about it. And I think the same is true today. That actually, if you have a question that you are trying to discern, talk to people around you who are listening to God themselves. And you have experienced, I know, in prayer meetings that you've been to, because I've been in the same ones, that when you think God has given you something to pray, and somebody across the room suddenly comes out with it, a few seconds before you do, and you think, oh, I was going to pray that. <laughs> yeah? Because it, it means that actually two of you are actually seeking God at the same time, and they just got there first. <laughs> yeah? God's will be done. Can I ask you, if you, are, um, if you have the Bible open in front of you, do you want to have a look at two verses? Uh, Proverbs 5, verse 3. I think it's the right one. This one is my poor memory throwing this one at you. What? No, it's not that one. <laughs> okay, maybe it's 3, verse 5. Try 3, verse 5. No, it's three, try, three verse, try 3, verse 5. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what the Proverbs 5 verse was in a moment. I've remembered it now. Could um, Annie, would you like to shout out Proverbs 3 verse 5 for us? There you go. That one. Yeah, you can't really put it much clearer than that, can you? Okay. Um, 
The reason I had Proverbs 5 in my mind, which I will point out to you in a moment. Uh, about 35 years ago, I was, no, probably 36 years ago, I was in a relationship with Sandra. Um, she was uh, attending uh, teacher training school in Cheltenham, and I was a computer programmer in Cheltenham. And we'd been on and off with each other for about five years. And I, I'd moved away from home and left her behind, and we'd stopped going out with each other while, 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 because we couldn't, it was the days before mobile phones and trying to maintain a long distance relationship over kind of 300 miles was not easy. When you, when you, you your only means of communication, because I, I couldn't write at the time, um, uh, was using uh, telephone boxes, and you had to make sure that you were both at the right telephone box at the right time. Um, yeah, uh, and, and it, it became impossible, and we broke up. And but she then got a place at the sixth form college, and we started up our relationship again. Not sixth form college, at teacher training college, and we started going out together again. And I was desperately seeking God as to whether or not we should get married. And I wanted to hear what God was saying to me about getting married to her. And I scoured scripture, and I was not, I was a new Christian. I wasn't, I'd only been a Christian a few years. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just asking God over and over again, what should I do? Should I do this? I was really nervous about it. You know what it is like if you're about to ask the love of your life to marry you. And it's a nerve-wracking thing. And as I was thumbing my way through uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, I came across, or oh, the Lord gave me Proverbs 5, verse 18, which is why I had Proverbs 5 in my mind. Yeah? Now, you couldn't really get much clearer than that, could you? Yeah? At least I didn't think so. For me, that was just a very clear uh, word from Scripture that really cleared up my, my question for me. Now, it doesn't often happen like that. Can I say that that is the exception? I think that is probably the only time in 45, 50 years of being a Christian that God has given me a single verse answer to a question that I've asked him. No, I'm not going there. <laughs> I know what the next verse says, and you can read it in your own time. But I want you to think for a moment about Jesus. Think about the stories we know in the New Testament where Jesus exercises the gift of discernment. First one. Without giving you the scripture reference, you can look it up yourself in your own time if you want to. But do you remember the story how Jesus is approached by a centurion and said, could you please, or a servant of a centurion said, could you please come, my daughter is dying, I need you to come with me. And Jesus went with the centurion, and the servant of the centurion, uh, to, to his house and he said, don't worry, it'll be okay. 
And on the journey there, there was him with a huge crowd that he'd been teaching, journeying there. And on the way through, a lady who had been ill and bleeding for many years touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus immediately stopped and said, who touched me? Yeah, hundreds of people, come on, we're in a big crowd here. You know. No, he said, power has gone out of me, someone has touched me. And he discerned something of spiritual stuff going on, even in the midst of a crowd of people with a purpose in mind going somewhere, he knew that a spiritual event had taken place. And this poor woman, who had broken every convention in society, she was a woman who was bleeding, so she shouldn't have been in the city anyway. She should have been outside the city because of the rules of the time. She was in a crowd of people. She should not have been in a crowd of people because she would have been unclean and her very contact would have made everyone around her unclean. And she touched somebody. And the very touch of her reaching out to touch Jesus would have made Jesus unclean because she was bleeding. And therefore, a woman who was bleeding was unclean in their society by definition. And she reached out to touch a man, a rabbi. And her very touch would have made him unclean. But Jesus, being the Son of God, when uncleanness approaches him, it goes in reverse. And the uncleanness is driven away by the very presence and holiness of Christ. It's what we've heard of before called contagious holiness. Yeah? And Jesus' very holiness transforms transfers to the woman who is bleeding and unclean and she is made clean by the very touch of Jesus. And that transfer of power was what Jesus discerned. There has been a transfer of power. And so when you are trying to discern the will of God Look for moments when God is making a difference. When God is actually changing something around you. Over and over again, I've said to people here and people at St. Peter's, what has God done this week? Yeah? What's God done in your life? What difference has he made? And the process of discernment is not discerning is it good or is it evil, but what is God doing? Yeah. What is God doing? What is God changing? What is God transforming? And how can I be part of that? What is my role in this transformation process that is going on by the power of the Spirit? Jesus goes up onto a mountain with three of the disciples, and while he's up there, he meets with Moses and Ezekiel. Elijah, sorry. Thank you. Moses and Elijah, I need a discerning word there to help me stay on the straight and narrow. He meets up with Moses and Elijah, and the three guys are up with him. Their skills at discernment are pretty much zero. 
because they say, kind of, uh, let's build a tent. No. <laughs> yeah. But what is interesting to me is actually, even though that is a key moment in the, the gospel story about revealing who Jesus is, is what happens when they come down from the mountain. Because at the foot of the mountain, the rest of the disciples are there, not knowing what to do with this bloke. He's got some mental problem or other, epilepsy, or he's violent, you know, he, he has fits and is violent, and is trying to be contained by his family, and they've come to the disciples to ask them to do something. And the other way, we don't know what to do, it's just nothing we're trying, it's not working, you know, it's just not working. Jesus goes, oh, you have little faith. He says, this sort, really the only thing that happens with this is you've just got to pray. And he teaches the disciples at that moment. And he prays for the guy, and the guy is sorted out because this is Jesus. And he can do that sort of thing, but the disciples have still got to learn the process. And he immediately discerns what is going on, and he takes the opportunity to, transf to transform the disciples' despondency of failure, of not being able to achieve the stuff that they thought they ought to be able to do, the ex their expectation and how to actually to do it. And it's the same thing. What is God doing and how can we learn from it? What is God saying to us in this situation? If we want to discern the will of God, turn to God. Yeah? Because discerning is about the will of God, about what God is doing. One last story. And I, I, it's funny because I've... These are uh, some of the scriptures that came to me in the middle of the night because they're not ones that I would have chosen if you asked me to preach about discernment. <laughs> yeah? So I do hope that God is saying something to you through them. Um, you know, I'd have probably used the one about in Acts about the girl being caught with a spirit, evil spirit in her or something like that, you know, and Paul doing it. But no, no, no. You know, um, you might want to have a quick look at Hebrews 5 verse 14, just as a, as a quickie. Then I'll go on to my last piece of scripture. This supports what I was saying earlier about it actually being quite difficult for new Christians to have the gift of discernment. Uh, Alan, do you want to read it out to us? Okay, different version, somebody? But solid food is for the mature who by constant use are trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The solid food he's talking about there is the work of the kingdom. It's not about, kind of, are you eating bread and meat? Yeah? It's actually, are you able to wrestle with the things of God? And therefore, engaging with wrestling with the things of God, you are then more able, as a mature Christian, to discern good from evil. 
Okay, the last verse, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to give you the passage, the verses, because I don't want you sitting there reading all this, because it's quite a long story, and I'm only going to abbreviate it here for you. But I want you to think back to the time of David and Saul. Saul is the king of Israel. David, as a young man, has come in, and he's found that his uh, harp playing uh, or is the music that he creates calms Saul's anger and rage. But it, David becomes a warrior and is sent out on the front line and by virtue of his skill and the spirit of God in him, he is a very successful soldier. And he fights the Philistines and becomes a hugely respected leader of men in Israel. And Saul becomes jealous, and in his rage he believes that David is out to kill him. And David, rather than actually using his skills as a soldier to put an end to Saul, because he respects that Saul has been appointed by God, runs and goes away into hiding with a group of his key friends. And Saul tries to find David and ends up consulting the person known as the Witch of Endor and talking to the dead, and this is very much frowned upon within uh, the uh, godly community of the time and our community as well. Um, and he becomes separated. Saul becomes separated from God in that he separates himself from God by his actions. Not that God takes himself away from Saul, because God promises never to leave us or forsake us. But Saul turns his back on God. And in the journey uh, of Saul trying to capture David, David hides at the back of a cave. And Saul, with his troop of soldiers coming to try to find David, ends up camping in the front of the cave. Yeah? And so here we are with David in hiding at the back and Saul camping out with his guys at the front. And there is an opportunity there. David, as a preeminent warrior, could have basically chucked Saul's head off. End of problem. And he prays. And he seeks God. Now it doesn't say in scripture... And David got on his knees and went, God, what am I supposed to do with this one? But we can infer that from the context of what is going on there. That here is an obvious moment in the life of David to move forwards. He knows that God is with him. Here, he, you know, it could be that God has given him this really obvious solution to his problem. All he has to do is chop Saul's head off and it would be over. But he realizes that actually Saul has been anointed king by God. And that he would be going against the will of God by taking this action that he perceives as being the right one. And in his wisdom, he stays back and waits for them to go and then escapes in another direction. Yeah? And God rescues him out of that situation where his great enemy is sitting in front of him. 
and he rescues David out of that. And I want to say to you, as you discern the will of God, as you seek God, it's not always the obvious answer. Yeah? It's not always the thing that's put in front of you and you think, yeah, the, thank you, God. Yeah? Go back to Scripture. Go back to God. Go back to your relationship with God and the journey that God has brought you on so far and say, is the action that I'm about to take, does it align with all that you have revealed to me to bring me to this point? Because where we step out in our own strength and do our own thing, then it is really easy. Because that becomes the first step to actually turning our back on God. Yeah? When we think we can do it ourselves, when we think that actually I've got the ability, I've got the strength, I've got the, you know, it's here. I can do it. Those are the moments that you have to turn back to God and say, is this really what you're calling me to do, God? And those are the difficult ones because it's easy to turn to God when you're in the trenches with the enemy firing at you and you immediately go, God, what's happening? I want to... And you go to God. But it's when the solution or the seeming solution is placed in front of you and everything seems to be going okay and you have this opportunity, that is the moment that you've really got to stay close to God and ask, is this really what you want me to do, God? So there's three things in the discerning process. One, your relationship with Jesus all of this doesn't make any sense if you, unless you have an ongoing and clear and strong relationship with Jesus and you are listening to God because discernment is primarily about what is God doing. Not what we're doing, not what's happening, but what is God doing. Stay close to God. The second thing is to know yourself, know your strengths and your weaknesses, know what distracts you, know what turns you away from God. Know where your urges take you in a different direction. And learn to be objective and to step back from that and to seek God rather than the emotions and desires that you have within yourself. And thirdly, Go back to scripture. If the question that you are asking doesn't seem to have a clear relationship, remember Proverbs 5.18. Yeah. Is what you are seeking actually supported by scripture, supported by the knowledge that you have of God already at work in your life, by people around you who know and trust God, are they hearing God in the same way you are? Is their knowledge of scripture one that can inform your situation? And if in doubt, listen and don't speak. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
if I have said something that has been important to you this morning or has touched you in some way or God has spoken to you through what I'm saying don't ignore it seek to pray with someone here there are people around you who you know there will be people maybe you don't know who will pray with you and for you generally what we do is we set aside an area over there by those two banners that if somebody, if you want somebody to pray with you or to just listen to God with you, then uh, you may need to be patient if there's a queue, but there's usually there'll be a couple of people over there uh, after the service who will pray with you. Or everyone else may be clearing up, but don't worry about them. If you want some privacy, we can go into the committee room and do it there, if that would be helpful. But please, if you are seeking God for something at the moment and you're just not sure and you want somebody to go on that journey with you, then that's what we're here for. Please don't leave without actually at least trying to work with someone on taking a step forward in the way that God may be leading you at the moment. All right? Let's pray. Let's just be quiet and listen to God for a moment. God is saying to somebody here this morning who is concerned about the darkness in their life that God wants to draw the curtains to allow the light in that you don't have to live in darkness I think there's maybe someone else who is concerned at their spiritual immaturity, that they want to get deeper with God but don't really know how to do it. Thank you that you do reveal yourself to us in so many different ways, through words, through pictures, through ways that we just don't understand. But you continue to transform our minds and our hearts to be what you want us to be. And Lord, as we reflect on this whole journey and process of discernment this morning, we pray that you would help us on that journey. Lord, where we are asking questions, Lord, we pray that you would guide us to the right answers. Where we are trying to 
see what is of you and what is not of you. That it would become obvious to us by the work of your spirit. Where the world, our bodies, our families, our life situation distract us from you. Lord, come into those situations. Transform the darkness into light. Lord, as we go out from here, Lord, we go, we do not go alone. We go with you. And Lord, actually, you're even ahead of us. And so when we arrive at the place that we're going, you will be there before us. And you will reveal yourself to us. So Lord, thank you for your presence here this morning that brings life, that brings hope and truth. And send us from here in the power of your spirit to live and to work, to praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for your patience with me this morning. And uh, if you are able to help and do some clearing up, that would be great. If you need prayer, over in the corner over there. Uh, and anything else? Well, talk to whoever you need to.